I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are here to start a brand new show, finally. And uh, we may have mentioned it a little in the past. It is the uh, what redheaded stepchild of Robson Green's TV career. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, he's had two super popular shows. Actually, three, because he was on the show Soldier Boys. It was huge. But he's had three super popular shows, and then he also did this. Uh... <laughs> Redheaded stepchild. Oh, come on. Do, do, if people aren't aware of this, there used to be like a weirdly large amount of uh, prejudice against, you know, redheads. Yeah. Uh, because they were thought to be associated with the devil. It's a very stupid prejudice that completely went away until South Park decided to bring it back and created just a new bigotry, just brought a bigotry out of the past and said, hey, we think people should be bigoted against redheads again. And so then that happened. So yeah, South Park actively creating uh, both anti-Semitism and uh, bigotry against redheaded people. So South Park only doing evil in the world. Just everybody remember that. We're never watched. We don't watch South Park anymore. We don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not in any way going to say that that movie isn't perfect and that everyone shouldn't watch that movie. Like, yeah, it's it's an incredible movie. The South Park movie is just magnificent. And people today will never get to have the experience of them pulling off the greatest marketing coup in the history of movies, which yeah. is, and this is true, no one who walked into that movie on the opening weekend knew that they were going to see a musical. Yeah, I know. The ads completely hid the fact that it was a musical. They didn't tell anybody that it was a musical. It was amazing. I know. You're watching it, and the first thing that happens is a song, and then songs just keep happening. It's incredible. Nothing like seeing that for the first time, and I'm sad that people don't get to see that for the first time that way. Yeah, well, anyway... So, I mean, in South Park, I mean, I watched it for ages. Of course, and it, we all did. I, it was central to the cultural conversation. Everybody watched South Park. Yes. So. But um, yeah, but it's yeah, just. Uh, we, have, we have talked about that mm -hmm. on, on Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. Remember how many redheaded children were there? Uh, yes. Villainous redheaded children. <laughs> it was weird. It's weird. It's like I said, it's this, it's this, you know, prejudice that was returned to the forefront by South Park, you know, and I don't know why they did it, but it's a, it's like a visible phenomenon that you started getting redheaded villains after South Park decided to like, Children. again, yeah, decided to, you know, single out for mockery and saying they're devils and don't have souls, uh, redheaded children and then boom it just became a massive thing throughout everywhere so yeah south park bringing back old prejudices because uh they're not great guys but at the same time they bought a restaurant in colorado and in i think the most heroic thing i've ever heard of did away with tipping and made it so all the servers get paid 30 dollars an hour there you go isn't that fantastic yep yeah, no tipping. Everybody gets paid 30 bucks an hour. Yes. Okay. This is the best. If I'm ever in Colorado, I'll go to that restaurant just to support what a fantastic idea that is. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's how everything should be run. Tipping is evil. All right. Uh, that, that we got a little away from the point. Sorry about that one. That one's on me. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's get to it. Huh. Uh, all because of my poor choice of phrase <laughs> at the top of the show. But yes, we're watching Touching Evil, a fairly obscure show now. It was popular enough to get uh, two and a half seasons. I say two and a half. It's a very weird thing where they got two seasons of just like uh, Wire in the Blood of getting a couple of movies per season. And then for the third season, it's just one movie, but they did it in three one-hour chunks. So uh, there's not that many episodes. We're only going to be doing this for about two months. So don't worry. It's not a big time commitment. And then... America tried to do a remake starring Jeffrey Donovan, and I think it only lasts one season. I can't, I mean, I could check that, but the big part is we're not going to be able to pull a cracker because as far as I can tell, 
you can't find American touching evil like anywhere. And to, to the point that it's like kind of surprising and a little chilling how these days television shows just disappear. Like we were promised if we gave up our DVDs that we'd be able to just see everything everywhere. But no, you can't watch anything. It's like, it's weird. Oh, you want to watch the pretender? Good luck. Good luck finding the pretender. It used to be you could go to a store and just buy pretender DVDs. Now there's no way to watch the pretender. I'm not saying we should watch the pretender for the show, but you know, I do kind of want to watch, rewatch the pretender. I remember it being really fun. Well, it was. And every now and then, well, anyway, it is, um, I've seen the odd one. You would think that there would be reruns. But no, it's the same thing. I've had that complaint at the university too, where when I was trying to get a movie to to cover, well, I was, it wasn't actually a movie. Oh, okay. Um, it was, it was a documentary series I wanted to use in my religion class. Right. And, um, they were reluctant to pay for it. What? Because you can find everything on the internet. Oh my God. Dude. And yeah, and people I, really believe that. That's the crazy part. And I'm going, no, you can't. I, can't. I said, it doesn't exist. It no. has been pulled off by the BBC yep. and the BBC wants 25 bucks mm-hmm. for an episode. I said, I can give you a list. It'll cost you about $325. <laughs> to buy all of them. And then they finally found Canopy. And Canopy was going to give us a free trial, the University of Free Trial. Right. Um, so I managed, but then that, but it was only going to last six weeks. So I had to cram all the documentaries into six weeks. And yeah. then it turns out that lots and lots of people were using it. So the university library system decided to buy it. Well, that's good. Like to rent, like to have, they have a subscription to Canopy. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that doesn't yeah, it's mean... Like, it's every- like media is getting harder to find. And I mean, that's before we get into, you know, all of these modern shows. Like, uh, the whole point of these streaming services will be, be able to watch what we want when we want. And now a show comes on it stays in the streaming service for three months and then it just disappears forever. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't even like, Hey, we used to be able to tape things. You can't even do that anymore. How would you tape something off of a streaming surface? Yeah. It's, it's a scary time to be in media, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Because often I can't even watch things if the university doesn't have, um, a license. I mean, they need to have licenses. Of course, yeah, to use them for educational yeah. purposes. Yeah, educational licenses. It's a big deal. You know, the only thing I can say, well, as I said, it was tr- like trying to find that um, thing on uh, that poet. <laughs> yeah. Frederick, no, no. Phil, what the hell was his name? You know, the guy that was the head of the Indian affairs oh god right 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 what the hell was his oh, name canada's one of canada's yeah foremost poets who wrote onondaga madonna mm-hmm. um yeah and there was a documentary and of course i couldn't ask for for me i couldn't ask them to spend the three or four hundred dollars it was going to cost yeah dollars it was going to cost to buy it given that the university was broke <laughs> you know and it, i was the only one showing it because so many people hadn't seen it. Yeah, of course. But, um, and then I just bought it on Vimeo. Yeah. It turned out they put it on Vimeo. Now I want to be able to see the Janus, but. All right. So, anyway, yeah. that's, but that's enough that talk about well. the media, right? And you- how very frustrating it is trying to be a fan of things these days. Yeah, well, as I said, it, touching evil isn't. You can, you can tell. Why it's not one of his favorites, one of his best. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing about Touching Evil. Now, this isn't a complaint per se, but it's not its not the greatest show. Uh, it's an interesting show, and we're going to have interesting things to say about it, I promise, eventually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robson Green plays, and the problem with this is, like, Tony Hill just sticks in your head. 
Yes. And you can't pretend it. Every time you watch this guy, and it is a different character, and he is do, making different choices, but it's like, it's, it's Robson Green, he's got short hair in a big city, and he's hunting serial killers. You're gonna be thinking about Tony Hill. But yes. the difference is, Tony Hill's fun. Tony yes. Hill's a weird guy. Yes. Whereas here, but do you want to know what's really fun, funny? Yeah. Is that his co-stars in both Touching Evil and Wire in the Blood ended up on Spooks. Oh, God, you're right. She did, didn't she? She was Ruth on Spooks. Oh, my God, that's Ruth. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> you're right. That's Ruth from Spooks. Oh, we love you, Ruth. Don't ever change. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Being the co-star of Tony. Tony. Gets of, into did good things for your career. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, fundamentally, what we talk about when we talk about Tony Hill is that there is a freshness to him, right? Because mm -hmm. he is so, because he's such a weird dude, right? He doesn't yeah. feel like anybody else. But you watch Dave here and you feel like you're watching a guy that you've seen in a lot of other shows. Yes. I feel like I'm watching will graham you know he is a guy who you know who's hunt serial killers and he has been damaged by the hunting of serial killers and it's rough on him and how does he deal with that and it's like that was never tony hill like it's just not tony no he doesn't have the quirks of tony hill this guy is deadly serious yeah he's almost a hotch yeah yeah he's almost a. Hotch. he's bordering on it i think you're right and um, he's good at his job. That's not, but he doesn't have these. He doesn't have these problems. quirks and he's not a, and he's not just weird and he doesn't come at it from a strange angle. The, the most defining uh, aspect of his personality, right? Is that he used to work at special branch, which basically meant, you know, he was a spy. I mean, it's not really a spy. It's the, oof, counterintelligence of law enforcement yes effectively so like if you hear about the cops doing something scummy that's special branch remember when the u.s the u.s oh my god the uk government used to like plant its own bombs and pretend the ira was doing it to sabotage yeah. peace negotiations that was special branch yeah and in the media they're like you know the people who murder people for the government now, I mean, I, they're not saying this, they're, this is a more mainstream depiction of special branch. So they're not saying that he used to murder people for the government, really, but the implication is there that he's not like a good guy. And in well, fact, no. and when you get to the end of this. Yeah. And can... we'll, and we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. But like, yeah. what's interesting in the way he comes at it is, because of the job he was doing until he got shot and had to go on um, sabbatical, right? Yeah. Is that, like, he forgets that you need to do things like have warrants and probable cause. <laughs> because in the job he used to have, you literally didn't need to do that. Like, you didn't need to follow the law, right? <laughs> yes. Because, you know, the government would cover up for all the illegal stuff you did because you were doing all this illegal stuff for the government. Yeah. Again, you were the black bag man for the government and that used to be his job. And now he's just like a cop again. And it's weird for him. And it's difficult for him <laughs> to not be able to just no, this is the bad guy. So we're going to go get him. <laughs> yeah, this is him. Yeah, but we is... can't prove it. It can't go through court. And he's like, yeah, what does that matter? <laughs> yeah, what does that matter? Yeah, and uh, but we'll get there. All right, so the episode opens with a child being kidnapped from a playground. Yeah. You know, a child gets kidnapped from a playground, and they go and they look into, uh, right, and they go into it and they search, and, we, and Dave gets his introduction, like... Uh, Going into Ruth's, uh, like, interviewing somebody in Ruth's office in a cute scene where he's, like, uh, taking the, uh, taking the dictation of a guy with obvious mental problems who claims to have witnessed a murder by looking through clouds. Yes. 
which of course is going to be important to the theme and in fact plots of the episode later on. Yeah, but he, as I said, it, that's how it opens. That's how we're introduced to our Robson Green character, Dave. Yep. And yeah. the guy is very strange. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there's no question, but he just wants to talk to Cregan. Cregan, I think, is his last name, right? Cregan, I think, but Cregan. whichever it is, yeah. Yeah, and they're going, there's no one that name here. Yes, there is. <laughs> yep, this. it's his first day. And he goes, and, and the guy has these weird visions. He knows something bad is going to happen, but it's never clear. Mm-hmm. And he sees through clouds, right? Yeah. And so, but there's nothing there for Dave, but but Cregan. He humors the guy. Um, Pays him, knows that usually or sometimes this helps. Yeah. What he seems to be tuning into. Yeah. Has some basis in reality. Mm-hmm. He just uh, doesn't have a way to communicate it. Yeah. And he he doesn't even understand often what he's seeing, and yeah. he often feels. And as we'll notice later on, he ends up um having a massive allergic attack yeah and turns out of course that one of the children had an attack yeah and so he's very interesting it is interesting because the next day he's fine Mm -hmm. and so yeah the, the show is making the argument that this guy might actually be psychic yeah might have some kind of interconnection with other people yeah oh definitely all right. Uh, so these chill, and so now we get introduced to the OSC, the Organized and Serial Crime Squad, who basically come in and deal with serial killers. Right? There isn't, uh, it's basically, again, there's no FBI in the UK, but this team is able to travel around and take cases because they specialize in catching serial killers. And it's a bunch of cops and a psychologist. Yes. And we don't really learn what their various specialties are yet. But the idea is that there's a bunch of cops who are at the top of their game. And Dave is one of the guys who, who should have been here leading the team from the start. But he got shot while they were building this unit. And he's yes. taken two years off. So now and the team like, has already gelled. His team has already gelled. And now he's suddenly the new guy. And I'm like, I kind of like ticked at the boss for not letting them know about Dave before this. Yes, I was. You could have mentioned him, right? You could have mentioned him. You could have told the woman who he's got to share an office with at the very beginning that he was going to be coming in. Like Dave didn't just show up one day. You knew he was coming. So yeah, what is going on with the boss? So yeah, interested to see how that develops because I don't remember if they say anything about the boss's methods or why he's doing the things he's doing, or if it's the show just being cute for the sake of being cute. Yeah, well, what I found was that as I watched the show, I remembered it. That yeah. that was, but it it is not something I hold up. No, it's not. Well, it doesn't stick in your head the way no. a wire in the blood does. Yeah, and I uh, mean, it's a. Uh, I'm going to say it's a slightly strange thing. There was a weird artistry to the way they made a lot of wire in the blood. Yeah, like there's there's a. They they thought they were making art, you know, <laughs> in a way that this, while very well produced, does just feel like a cop show. Well, it is, and it is a cop show. This is yeah. the elite group. The only person you know what their specialization is is the psychologist. Yeah. Right the the profiler, so to speak. Basically, yeah. Um, because that's how she's introduced, mm-hmm. and it's an older woman, and. Yep. She's not bad. Oh, no. I I liked her a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah, I think she does a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. She does a good job of being this particular therapist, you know, but so it, but it is interesting because yes, we, the way they open it up, you see that the child is there one minute and the child isn't there. Yeah. Right. He's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, it, 
So the special group, so the cops are, are dealing with this, right? And then your special group comes in. And, you know, you can you already... get the You get the moment where the local cop, right, is a little nervous about having his, uh, you know, his case taken over. Well, what's happening, right, what happens, right, is a little weirder. It's that that the beat cop, basically or the regular cop, because he's the detective who's in charge of this. Yeah. Then there's the cop, and the cop says, well, yeah, you know, this is three. We have to call them in. Yep. You know, and um, he said, you should have warned, didn't you warn them at two? Yeah. And this cop is going, that's my my patch. I'm yep. going to do this, right? And But it was three, and three is three, and that makes it serial killer. And yeah, well, in this case, it's still yeah. just child abduction. It's still abduction. Yes, yeah. it's still child abduction, but it's within sort of like every fourth day there was this another child being grabbed. Third one. Yeah, and it's four days after, eight days after the first, four days after the second, yeah, which is just oh. a crazy cool down. But then again, it's part of his plan. Yes, that as we will find out. Yeah, you know, and so. Uh, Robson Green goes running around. Craig goes running, g- looks around, and he finds the weird daffodil, the yeah. plastic daffodil. Mm-hmm. So he searches in the ground. You wonder what he's doing. It looks really weird and yeah, strange. It does. But he finds a shoe. Yep. And he's like, oh, hell. And then he lets them know yeah. about this case, right? There were two disappearances in Germany. Yep. Which is exactly the same. Uh Two boys were ki- kidnapped. A plastic flower was left marking the site of their abduction and their shoes were buried there. Yeah. And then sometime later, they were suffocated and uh, wrapped in plastic, then dropped back in the place where they were taken from. Yes. And so immediately they go, oh, I guess we're going to have to go back to the two other sites. Yeah. And to the two other sites, yes, they find the plastic flower and they mm-hmm. find... They find the shoes. Yeah. And it is devastating watching these. I I thought they did a good job of, because they're all just assuming, not the cops, but like this, this woman, the parent of the latest one, right? Yeah. Just once they, they find the shoes, there's this. And then, okay, what happened to the other ones? The other two? Well, yeah, those children were. Yeah. Were, were killed. Yeah, uh, back in Germany, they were killed. So now everyone is very worried, quite understandably. Yes, very, very worried that these children, there are three of them. Yeah. Um, and they so the killer is already upping his game. Yes. And here's where the show gets, like, it does do something that's really interesting that I like that I I had forgotten how quickly this episode moves because literally so they're going through all of the witness statements and everything and they find out that a guy right that one of the people uh, who witness who was a witness to one of the abductions right and gave a statement they also when they're going through all of the cars that CCTV caught in the air around the park of the next abduction his car was also at the next abduction, both on the day of the abduction and the day before, like he was scouting the place. Yeah. And so they're like, uh, so they're like, okay, who's this guy? Oh, wait, he's a research scientist. And he lived in Germany at the time of those other murders. And so David's just like, well, we got to go look into this guy immediately because yeah, this is, this is too much of a coincidence. Yes. Right? He- Works for a he works for a biogenetic company. Yeah, a Swiss genetic company, a genetics company, and he works yeah. at a uh, yeah, and he works in the UK offices of it. And he briefly worked at the German office, at, and he teaches at the university. And he like runs all of his research out of a university. Yeah, right. And so this guy, and the thing is, and so they go to see him, and it's Ian McDiarmid, the Emperor from Star Wars. <laughs> So in case you're wondering why you recognize this guy, it's the Emperor from Star Wars. And watching it, it's weird how so quickly you're like, oh yeah, this is obviously the killer. Like it is, 
100% clear that he's the killer. Yeah. Right away. And now you're in this position where, well, what do you do about that? Yeah. He's the guy to he's quote the guy. To quote he's Monk. The guy. Yeah. It, it is that vibe. Like, it's a real he's the guy vibe. Like, right away, Dave is just like, no, that's that's him. Okay, we got to get him. And so uh, immediately they send people to search his house. Like, they get a warrant because, you know, he lied about not being at any other of the crime scenes. They've got plenty of probable cause. So they go to search his house. And they're like, he's got a dog, so watch out when you search the house because that can be a problem. And you get this really well-edited scene where you see them, like, tearing his house apart. And then he turns around. Like, the minute he leaves for work, they break into his house and start tearing it apart. But then he turns around halfway to work. And comes back. And comes back. And they have to, like, immediately clear out and put everything back the way it was. Like, it's just, again, a beautifully edited sequence. sequence. Yes. It just looks great. Uh, because he forgot his work keys and he grabs yes. the keys and he goes to work. And yep. unfortunately they don't find anything like this guy is, has a completely clean house. As far as he can tell, the children are not in his house, his garage, his house, his yep. basement, nothing. There's just no sign of them. Like if he's doing it, he has left no evidence. You know, he doesn't like, he hasn't kept trophies that they can see or anything like that. So yeah, like, what are they going to do? Go to Germany. <laughs> exactly. And look into his background and try and find some clues. Right. Well, look into the, into the two the cases. The other crimes. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other two cases where the two boys were killed. And so they go back, you know, and then. They, they go to Germany. I, it was, it was really interesting because Dave goes, well, I think we need to go to Germany. And immediately, like the guy just comes and says, pack your bags. You're going, you and, and Ruth. Well, whatever her name is in the show. It's bad that we only think of her as Ruth, but again, iconic performance. Yes. So they go, they go to, um, they go to Germany and that, that's, that's interesting too. You know, I mean, I, as a perfunctory, like it feels the whole show feels perfunctory, and yet the story is interestingly is interesting enough. It's just the people are, yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty. I don't even, I can't even think of a cop show that's so perfunctory. Yeah, there's just no hook to the people in that for in the first episode. No, you you meet all these people in the first episode, and there, there's they're not making an impact. No, it, Robson Green isn't. I mean, Ruth isn't. Uh, I mean, they 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 they're competent. Well, Robson Green does right at the end. Competent, but and we'll efficient. get there. Yeah, exactly. You're just watching professionals do their job. Yeah, you're watching professionals do their job, and they're doing it well. Yeah. You know, there's no ifs, there's no fuss, there's no anything. Yeah. This is this is an interesting case. Well, and what's interesting is how in the for the first like most of the episode, how few obstacles are there? Like they've got to do the hard work to figure this stuff out, but it's like there's not a lot of red herrings or dead ends. Like they know who did it, and they're just investigating him pretty directly. Yes, right? and they, yeah, and I mean the stuff in Germany was fascinating. The woman with the cats who now lives <laughs> in the house that he rented. When he was there. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, but at the same time, and this is interesting, while they, uh, while they're in Germany, we see the killer, like, taking kids on a tour of his lab. I know. <sighs> yeah, and you're just watching this, and if you thought Krieger wasn't, Kriegen, might, yeah. might be wrong, you just watch him with He's these. interacting with the kids, these yeah. little boys, and you're like, oh, no. I yeah, mean, that's he interacts well enough with them, except that because you've already got this in your head, it's just creepy and you Oh, wonder. yeah. You cannot help but see the other level of every interaction. But yeah, when yeah. he goes to the house, when they go to the house he rented, and you're like, it's just... Oh, so creepy. So interesting. Oh, that old lady. And her cats. And her cats. And And she explains 
once a week someone comes out and cleans the garage because the cat's litter yeah. boxes are all in the garage. Yeah. And it's just terrible. And he insists on going in and closing the door. And then he looks at it. Yeah. And the garage is all white. Completely immaculate. Immaculate. I mean, outside of the cat, the cat shit. Everywhere. <laughs> yes. And, but um, it's like, it has been like, you've, ne- I mean, when you see this garage, you'd be like, I've never seen a garage that looks like this because it's all institutional tiling. Yeah, all it in- looks like an operate operating room. Yeah, institutional tiling, those great big like lights that fill that are circular and fill the whole room. It it looks like an operating room, mm-hmm. and it's weird. And then he finds he does find a camera. Yeah, in in the garage. Yes, you know. It, but I mean, it's not a, a case of digging up the garage or anything else. No, whatever it is, because the boys were found. Yeah. And what I thought, and I, I love that the point was, and it, the reason he knows that the children are still alive. And I, I do like this logical leap. I think yeah. it's really smart is why would you build this giant like playroom to keep them in? Right. If you were just going to kill them. Yeah, it's like, no, you've got to be, you build a place like this to keep them there. Yes. That's the key part. For a certain amount of time. And then he talks to the cop and says, okay, so how long after each abduction was there between the The abduction abduction and the body being found? And the body being found. And then he goes, okay, that means the boys that were taken the three boys that were taken are still alive and yep. we have to find them. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the next driving push. Yep. And it is, I mean, it's a really good motivator get, to get the characters off their asses and rushing out. Like it's yeah. just narratively, that's a hell of a hook. Yeah. Cause you're not looking for dead bodies anymore. You're looking for children yep. who are still alive. Yep. You've got what? Four days. Did they say? Yeah. Four Something days. Like I, I think it's four days. days to find them. Mm-hmm. That would have been, you know, but he still can't figure out. But he does go and visit. So then they do. So yeah. when do they do the the study of? They start looking in. They had been looking into his background. Yeah. And they found out he'd been involved. Like it does move quickly. Like. Yeah. Even though it is an hour and a half long, mm-hmm. it's surpri- it moves surprisingly quickly. Oh yeah, like because they like, this is they start tearing apart his life. They search his yeah. car for any evidence. They search his house for any evidence. Yeah. They start talking and to people he works with. People are doing background stuff at back at the office, yeah. right? And what they discover is that he was involved, sort of, in this death. Oh. His best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that is what they're starting to do. The psychologist comes up with some possibilities. What kind of an impact this might have had on oh him. Oh, my God. But this, yeah. When you, you get know? to that story, though, I mean, it is really like it's- the highlight of the episode. Oh, that story. Yeah. Like you it know? is really the highlight of the episode when we get to this story. Because it's right after, like, they have taken apart his life. They've brought him in and fingerprinted him and, like, done that thing where they comb out his hair looking for any foreign fibers. Yes. Right? And they find nothing. <laughs> they find nothing. No. And then, uh, you know, he threatens, uh, right, he threatens Dave with wrongful arrest and harassment. And Dave's like, I know you did it. And I'm going to do, you know, I'm never going to leave you alone until I prove it. And he gets that moment of, you know, well, I guess we're going to be seeing a lot of each other then. Yeah. Because you're never going to prove I did this. And this is where we have the breakdown of his friend. Right. Right after that is when we have the breakdown of his friend. Right. Who winds up in the hospital. Yes. Yeah. His friend, the mental patient who winds up in a hospital. Yes. Yeah. And he's having a severe and they can't do anything. They can't, he can't get better. And he, 
because, and I know this, it does sound crazy. It's not his allergic reaction he's having. Yeah. And he's, it's all through the clouds. Yes. He's not having, he's having someone else's allergic reaction. For whatever reason, he is interacting with one of the boys on some plane, some level, however you want to say it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird scene. It's a very, very weird scene. You see sort of this, the, this fog sort of thing. Yeah. And he can't tell and he doesn't know where it is, but it's a room and it's fog and there's clouds. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And, and then the next morning, he's fine. Yeah. It's all over. It's all over the next morning. Mm-hmm. And she goes and has coffee and breakfast at the usual place that he and Dave meet. Yeah. <laughs> It's very strange. Oh, absolutely. It's just a very weird presentation because it's like, given how almost prosaic, right? Everybody else is. Yeah. Right. The And the, really the presentation of this show is, right? You, you're like, how are they doing this fantasy element to it? Like, are we supposed to take this on face value? Is it a metaphor? Is the homeless guy, the mental patient in on it? No, he's not. Like, he might really be psychic. Like, at the end of this episode, you got no reason to believe he's not a psychic. Yeah. Which is not something we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He might really be someone who... Connects every now connection. and then. And Dave has said that he was useful before. Yeah. That he has been useful. Mm-hmm. And that he, you know, sometimes you can't figure out what he's talking about. But sometimes it Yeah, sometimes connects. he's been valuable with these connections he makes. And yeah. then we get uh and then we get the killer back at his place going through his nightly routine as we hear the voices of the kids who are having trouble breathing. Yeah. And we finally get a shot of them. And again, I mean, there's no mystery that he's the killer. Like We all know that he's the killer. But just because the show isn't going to toy with us and isn't going to tease us, like they full on show us them huddled in a corner in the white, in the same kind of white paneled room we just saw in Germany. It's like, yes. No, and Dave's are, right about everything. Don't worry. There are four of them. No, there's three of them. There's three of them. I thought that, oh, I thought there was a fourth No, one. no, there's just, just three boys. It's just the three boys. Yeah. No, they're, they're just kidnapped. He's just kidnapped the ones they know about. Yeah. yeah. And he's watching this. And yeah. But the one thing they found out that was so interesting was that the uh, German place, although they're not going to get any evidence because this woman has it cleaned every week, uh, they do a test and find out that it's airtight. Yes. And Dave is like, oh, my God, that's why these kids died of suffocation. He put them in a room and he just let them breathe all of the air until there wasn't any left. And that's why it takes them days to die, because it's a big room. It's I mean, it's a really creepy world. It's a really creepy M.O. this guy's got. Yeah. And and it's weird. But then they go. Right. So this is when they this it's at this point when they've got all the stuff. They, he doesn't have a criminal record, so they keep digging further and further back, and they find that he was a witness to his best friend's death. His yeah. best friend, who, when they were both children, fell through the ice and drowned. Yeah. And this is the key part. They go back and they talk to that boy's mother, and that boy's mother was like, oh, I don't think he killed my son. I but know. I know. Well, no, he didn't kill him. I don't think he, like, pushed him into the ice. But when my father, my son fell through the ice, he didn't try to help. And he lied to the cops and said he tried to help and screamed for help and came and banged on my door. But other people lived in the area and no one heard him yelling. And I was in the kitchen in the door he said he banged on. And so I know he was lying. And the only reason he would have lied is if instead of doing anything, he just stood there and watched my boy die. Ooh. Yep. And this to, and this dovetails exactly with what the mental patient said to Dave at the breakfast meeting, which is that the killer is watching them. Yes. 
You know, that's his insight. Like in the same way that he watches through clouds, the killer's watching them. And then you realize, and that's of course when uh, they find the, the panel in the door in Germany through which he watched the children die. Yeah. And then he realizes, oh my God, this is like, this is exactly what's happening. Like he's built, he must have built himself another room just like this one. Yep. But the problem is, and this is where we get into the, well, what the hell are you going to do about it? He doesn't have any evidence of that. No. And, and they know it's not in the house. Yeah. They know it's not in the house. They've completely searched the house. Then they've like, you know, tear the house down to the bricks. And they're like, there's literally nowhere it could be. But then, oh my God, like the, I'd say this is a bit of an amazingly lucky break. Like yeah. it's, Cause, because the, the creepy scene where we hear the voice while the, um, uh, while, while the killer is doing his dishes, you assume that's just a, right? Just a, an artistic choice. But the reporters outside, you know, covering this abduction and covering this guy's story, we're rebooting their camera, uh, their like, um, re- camera receivers because they're a satellite truck. And while going through the frequencies, they catch an image of the boys yeah. in a white room, just like the one in Germany. Yep. And so they know that he's got a camera and he's broadcasting it. And the voices we hear was an actual broadcast of the children who are suffocating. <laughs> Whoa. Lucky, lucky break. They just It's a really lucky break. And again, they were already 100% sure, but now they've got proof, except they've only got proof that they were right. Like, there being a radio signal of boys in a room doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't commit, doesn't prove this guy did anything. And it doesn't tell them where the room is. Nope. There's there's nothing. All they know is it has to be within a reasonably small difference because of the distance. Something like, I don't remember what the radius they say is, but it's like a reasonably small distance because cameras can only be so powerful without it being really easy to detect. Yeah. So it's like it has to be somewhere nearby. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it it was... It's, I mean... I, I, like I said, we talk about their, the generic aspects of it. And I think that's, I think that's true, but it is, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a really well-made cop show. It is, it is well-made. It is, the focus is just on finding yeah. this man, finding, finding a way to prove this man yeah. is guilty. And he's got, of course, a high, high priced lawyer. Mm-hmm. That Kessler uh, has provided has him. provided with him because, as they say, this man is like literally indispensable. Like he is literally like he is the most important person working in the field of genetic research. Yeah, in the you company. Know? So it's like literally he is our company's future. So no, we're not going to let anything happen to him. So that's right. Capitalism is killing these children, in case you were wondering. Just in case, you know, you, when we go on about capitalism periodically, right? Yeah. Oh, According I heard some, to... oh please. I heard somebody the other day saying, we're in the, we're in late stage capitalism. I'm going, oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I, I hope It'd be nice are. if capitalism crumbled soon. But yeah. uh, capitalism's doing everything it can to not crumble. So good yeah. luck. Good luck. I mean, that's what I sort of thought when I listened to this interview. Anyway, yeah. um, but to get back to this, right? Yes. You know, there and you you have the confrontations between Dave and this guy, yeah, Glenn or whatever his last name Hinks. was. Pardon? Hinks, Hinks is the killer. That's yeah. right, Hinks. Right, and so you have. You know, and you have the interviews and you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't give anything up. He's he really good at it. Anything up. And then, you know, he ends up not, they're not going to be able to charge him with anything. They have nothing. They can't find mm-hmm. the boys. They don't know where the boys are. But and Dave that. manages to figure one thing out, though. 
Uh, he manages to find one unbelievably suspicious thing that the guy can't answer to. And that is every week he takes 500 pounds out of the bank. Yeah. And he's like, what could you possibly be spending that much money on? And what Dave reveals, and he actually reveals the first thing we've learned about his character in this entire show. Right. The first thing we learn about his character in the entire show is that he's got uh, a wife and daughter, an ex-wife and a daughter. And he's like, it costs me, you know, 500 pounds a week uh, to keep two houses. Like, I know how much it costs. And he's like, and so his uh, opinion is so he's got to be paying for whatever location he's keeping them in in cash. It's got to be somewhere close. And then, and this is where the show just gets weird. <laughs> because Dave sees uh, some clouds over a tower block, yeah. a kilometer, a set of tower blocks a kilometer away. And the fact that his friend was like the tower block, <laughs> right? Through the clouds. Seeing all, seeing all these crimes through the clouds convinces him that like, that's where the place must be rent. I mean, and there's a logical reason to think it as well, because it is the kind of place where you could rent a... Uh, you know, it's not a well-kept place and yeah. you could easily rent a place there for cash yeah. without it being a big deal. Right. And so like, it makes sense that if it, if it had to be in the neighborhood, this would be a good place to search. Right. But at the same time, the show is very clear that he's searching there because of what his crazy friend told him. Yes. The clouds. Cause <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that so they they get the teams and they start searching the entire building and they can't find anything. Yep. And so Dave then goes and does okay, smart, smart. Yeah. He figures the dog. Yeah. This man's dog. Yep. And um he can use the dog. So he goes, breaks, basically breaks in, grabs the dog, steals the, the dog, dog something, yep. and then lets the dog bloodhound his way all the way to where the boys are. Yep. Which is way up in the top mm -hmm. of the building. And it's one of these, it's probably would have been a storage room. Well, it's a storage room. And he's like, made it completely blocked off the entrance. So yeah. it looks like it's disused. Yep. I mean, it's a very smart place to hide your your victims. Yeah. He's done it really well. And Dave tears the door, uh, tears the door open, and he sees the three boys lying there, and he's absolutely, you know, heartbroken that he must be too late, because on the video earlier that day, he already saw that they had had so little oxygen that they'd fallen asleep. Yeah. That they were unconscious, so he's afraid. But no, Dave did get there in time, right? So all he did three get there, and alive. the boys are fine. Which that was quite a relief because I didn't remember that part. No, I mean I was just going, oh no, they're. And when you do, you see the look on his face. You're sure that they're dead. They're all dead, and I'm just going, oh. oh. But they weren't. No, they're fine. They're fine. It's fine. I mean, I I remember I when I was watching it, I'm looking. Closely yeah. at at the when they're wheeling them out. Okay, no, no, no. They've no, got it's, it's okay. oxygen masks on them. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a scary moment though. I'm not going to pretend it's not. <laughs> so it is. It isn't. And you'd think, oh, okay. Well, you know, this is great. Except they can't prove that he rented that place because yeah, he did it in cash, and they can't. You know, they can't. And the boys don't know who abducted them. So all of that, they found the boys, they rescued the boys, they know what he's up to, but they and can't, they can't do anything about it. They can't do anything about it. It's and very then, frustrating. Then you see that wonderful, you have a wonderful scene. Dave is very upset. A wonderful scene mm -hmm. with Dave and his daughter. Oh, God, yeah. And his ex-wife. Yep. You know... Uh. Yeah. Yes. He's, and he you did. understand why Dave, like, he does have trouble connecting because of his job and because of what happened to him, but he's trying yeah. and he makes a decision. Yep. Yeah. 
And this is where, this is where we kind of find out for sure who Dave is. At least, again, we'll see how this develops over the rest of the show, but it makes an impression because he gets his gun and you're like, should you even have a gun? You're a cop. No, 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 no. You're a British cop. Special branch. Special branch. So he's got a gun. So he gets his gun. He drives across town. He sneaks into the villain's apartment. Into Hinks's house, sorry. And he goes to execute him. Except Hinks is already dead. And his dog is dead. Because we do have this wonderful little scene of the dog before, as this is sort of going on, we're getting this wonderful little scene of the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, having his his milk and his, his supper and his milk. And by the time Dave gets there, the dog is dead. Yep. And then he walks through and he goes to, and he is, he is going to execute. Oh yeah. No, there's no, this is not a, this is not a scene where he's coming to threaten this man. No, no. The show is very clear that he's there to execute Hinks. Yes. Like the show is not subtle about this. (laughs) And you know, he's planning on getting away with it. Yep. You know, but Hinks is already dead. Uh, there's a hole in his head. There's in the side of his in his temple. There's blood all over the curtains. Yeah, he's been he shot in the side himself. of the head. He's killed himself because they found the boys, and because because Dave actually pushed him. And yeah. I mean, Dave did push him and said, "No, don't give me this. You watched and you tried. You murdered." I mean, he's yep. the one who says, "You murdered your best friend all those years ago." Mm-hmm. And you still want to watch it. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, so he, that that is before he sees his daughter and yeah. reads her, her bedtime story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, we get the shot of the clouds. Yeah. The guy has got clouds hanging. Yep. It's a mobile that just sort of hangs mm-hmm. in front of the window of clouds. It's not, it's a nice touch. Yes. It is a really nice touch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the idea that he, you know, whatever was broken in him when he was a child, he watched this mur- this child die and he's been obsessed with that power ever since. And yeah. I mean, literally, like in the speech he gave to the children, you see that like, oh, he got into genetic research because he wanted to feel like he had power over life itself. Yes. Like, they tie all of it into his uh, psychology. They tie all of it into his psychosis. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's a well-written show. It just doesn't grab you. It's got a great ending. Uh, Not going to say it doesn't have a great ending, but it doesn't grab you the way the first episode of Wiring the Blood does. Well, I think that that, I mean, the problem for us is that it's not wire in the blood. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, you almost yeah. wish we could watch this without knowing wire in the blood and being such fans of wire in the blood so we could make a statement about it, right? But yeah. 100%, you have to think about wire in the blood when you're watching Robson Green run around solving crimes. Yeah, and it it is like when I watched it again, I'm going there's nothing wrong with it. No. The story, but there's no they, they, there's no falsity to this one. Yeah. As you say, there's no red herrings. No. There's no this is just a procedural and you see them working at it. You don't see all you see the bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you but there's nothing that none of these characters are anything more than for this first episode yeah. there are no quirks in the characters no there's like, no a lady fact, well, i mean right at the end dave is like i'm gonna murder this guy and that is the first real you know reveal of his character that we've really had but even that is not um and that's just a decision he makes because that's what he used to do exactly because that used to be his job that used to be his job so he can make this decision Yes, it's a little, it's, it's not been authorized by special branch, but so what? But who's going to complain? Who's going to complain? Nobody's going to complain. Kessler can't complain. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows, and there's nothing they can do about it. So Dave says, yeah, I can take things. I've taken other things into my own hands. That's how you know that. But it's not a quirk. It's like, yeah. it's, it's not, he functions. This is a team that functions extraordinarily well. Yep. In this episode, the only hint you get that there was a, a problem is at the beginning with the detective. And as the, as Ruth says, because <laughs> I can't remember her name. Yeah. So as Ruth says to him, look, you know, the guy says is being really nasty to her, the detective. Yeah. Who'd had the first two cases. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, look, be nice, you know, I'm, I'm going to write this report. And he's, and he's going, he said, I could just see if I don't, if I don't solve this case and blah, blah. She said, I'm writing the report. <laughs> so you can be nice to me or not. Yeah, it's up to you how you want to be presented in the report, but I'm going to be the one writing it. Yeah, so, you know, I can make your life wonderful, yep. <laughs> basically. So you do have those little things. Those moments. Beginning, yeah. But then you just follow the case through. And the funny thing is, no, I don't remember. Maybe as I watch each other show, because when I first started to watch this, I'm going, I don't even remember if I ever saw Touching Evil. And then I saw this the show yeah and right, you're like oh, started, no, we, we and watch yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, i've yeah. watched this right yeah but, um so we'll see as we go forward how the other ones are yeah you know whether they are just this way i'm sure everybody has a personal life but you don't get it in the beginning mm-hmm. and somehow or another it didn't catch on because it did only last I mean, it was not a lot of episodes. It was six, and as you say, and then four, so ten episodes. Yeah. And the four was really just a movie. Yeah, the last ep- the last season. Season three is just a movie. It's just a longer yeah. episode than normal. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it yeah, didn't, it didn't get a ton on. of episode. It, it did, never caught on, you know. But the thing is, I mean, Cracker didn't run a long time either, but Cracker is so utterly unique yeah. in its presentation of its main character and the world he inhabits that, you know, uh, it is a cop show that is so resolutely anti-police that, like, there's just nothing like it. Yes. And uh, this one shows... Oh, you could not be more pro-police than this episode. This this is the efficiency of this particular group. Yeah, they are ridiculously efficient. And then when the hard choice has to be made, Dave's willing to do it. Like the presentation of it is is a very much pro police. Yes. Yeah, like one hundred percent. And it's like so. I'm gonna be interested to see if that continues because I only have dim memories of this. Yeah, uh, I don't have. I, I remember I two episodes. No, I remember three episodes very well. And beyond that, I'm kind of up in the dark, and we'll see if I remember them more as I'm watching them. The- yeah, I, that's what I have. What I have to do too. And it's like when we were watching Wire in the Blood, and I'm like, I do not like. I'm really enjoying this episode about the crazy American Doomsday cultist, but I don't remember this episode at all. <laughs> like I didn't remember that from the first time I watched it in the least. Well, you know, these things were a long, long time ago, exactly. and we weren't. I would think that watching them as critically, watching them as critically because they weren't on our radar. We weren't doing a show. Yeah. We weren't thinking we weren't, about no, it. No, we were watching them for entertainment. We weren't yes. watching them as academics, or yes, academics or whatever, <laughs> whatever you and want to call it. Yes, you know, we're whatever we want to call it. It is, um, so. Uh, I don't know. I will just, it's probably the people because in that first episode, when I think about some of the other shows that we watch, right? There, these people are just clean and efficient and maybe it stays that way. And that's one. Maybe of the there's plot. interesting twists. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see as we go along. Unlike, you know, so far I'm going, unlike the first, episode of the inside 
And I'm just sure. going, I really, and after I finished watching that, this is the question I will ask myself for touching evil. Yeah. Is do I care that it didn't go on? Yeah. Right. Whereas, Whereas for the inside, oh my God. I wanted that to go on. When you see that first episode, you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Okay. Yeah. It's a problem that she got kidnapped every week. That is an issue. Yes. But you know, it's still a really good show and it's got interesting stuff to say. Yes. And yeah. And then they did, uh, you know, kick, which I maintain was a ripoff of the inside. I think we're all comfortable with that. We're all theory comfortable of mine. With that, but I wanted kick to continue too. And I wanted that to continue as well. Did she ever write that second book or no? no not she ever wrote the second book. Jesus. So ah, that's frustrating. Yeah. We never got any follow up on the show or on this novel series. We would have been happy with either. We would have discussed the novel. Yeah. We didn't come back and read all the novels. We read all the. We read, actually, no, we haven't read the last Alienist book yet. We'll do that after this, uh, we'll do that after this season of television. We'll read the Alienist book, you know, the one that's set in the present day about like historians oh, finding yeah. out about his last case. Yeah. It's a weird premise, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. But we'll check that out. But that's Caleb Carr. It's Caleb Carr. He likes, he likes to do weird, huge jumps to different times and characters with every book. So there you go. That's just, uh, he likes to do that kind of research. Yeah, he does. And that, I mean, it's an intriguing premise that this next one is going to be set in the present day with like a dude researching a fictional crime in the past that his beloved fictional characters investigated. So yeah. You know what? Now I'm thinking about how robbed we were by, um, by not having uh Teddy show up at the end of the uh at the end of the Angel of Darkness season of the Alienist. And how well, good was... it, how good the end of the book is when Teddy shows up. What yeah. are you gonna do about this gang? Well, Teddy's gonna show up with the Marines. Yeah. I know. Well, you know, I'm just gonna walk have... the Marines down Fifth Avenue. It was gonna cost way too much to do that. I know, but it's like, oh, we were robbed. We were, we robbed, were robbed by that yeah. ending. There's no other word for it. All right. So that's the first episode of Touching Evil. Did you check what the second episode is called? Because I definitely didn't. First no, episode's I... called Through the Clouds, obviously. And if you check what the episode, second episode is called now okay. while I'm I'll, chatting I'll, with people, that'd be fantastic. Uh, obviously, I want to thank you all for listening. If uh have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you think we should check out, be sure to drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find out about the show. We're going to be back here next week with uh, if you know, Dr. Redmond has managed to... Oh, no, this stupid... Okay. I tell you. No, I was asking you for a lot. That I'm one's on, on IMDb. Okay. okay, I'm on IMDb, and they've done something new again. It's you know, called, you could have just loaded Prime Video. Yes, I know. It's called Killing with Kindness. Thank you. Killing with Kindness. Here we go. Episode two, Killing with Kindness. But what did, uh, I am curious, what did they do over at, uh, at IMDb? What no, garbage they, they, have they done now? They, they're now? throwing in ads so that when I'm trying to click on season one. You accidentally hit the ad because they sweep the ad up under your mouse as you're about to click. Yeah, yeah. I've I've noticed that. It's real bad. It's it's really, really bad. Like Amazon isn't making enough money. I know, right? We're you paying know. to watch this stuff already, guys. You yeah, know, come on. Chill a little less hard for yourself. Well, they don't know that we're paying to watch this stuff. You'd think you they say could. that. You think that I feel like they must. I feel like they they're tracking us effective. To. I think they're tracking us effectively enough, right? That they know think. we're watching it. You would think. But anyway, so we'll see you back here next Thursday for episode two of Touching Evil. And just for the record, uh, we're not going to do that thing where we take breaks between seasons and watch something else. It, there's not that many episodes of this. So we're just going to watch it straight through like we did with Cracker. And if between now and the end we can find uh, American Touching Evil, we might, depending on our feelings about Touching Evil, watch American Touching Evil. Uh, again, starring Jeffrey Donovan, who would go on to have oh, a big hit with uh, Burned. Burn Notice. 
I, I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Donovan. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. He's a lot of fun. He's a very fun actor. I enjoy, I enjoy watching him a lot. Uh, it's kind of funny watching him on, um, my favorite thing about Burn Notice is that he has like worked so hard to get over his, like having a Boston accent. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, but then like every now and then, like once every couple of episodes, there's a word he just doesn't know how to say, not in a Boston accent. Like there's a word he never trained on and suddenly he's from Boston. He's got yeah, the it is, it is weird when it slips like that. Yeah. He's just, he's so good at not being from Boston until boom. Yeah. It's right there. And in my literally favorite thing ever, I was doing a watch through of it last year in back to back episodes. Um, Jared and then Sydney from The Pretender were the villains in two episodes back to back. It made me so happy. People still remembering The Pretender. All right. Uh, so that's going to be that. We'll see you back here next week. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week. 